What's up, Red Rocks Church? Oh, you sound good. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm so glad I'm sitting next to you. Make them believe it. I'm so glad I'm sitting next to you. Hey, welcome. If you're visiting with us for the first time, whether you're visiting at one of our Denver locations, our Brussels, Belgium campus, one of our God Behind Bars campuses, we're so glad you're here. Get this, Red Rocks Church. Our creative team just told me this this week. We average right now, try, try to wrap your mind around this number. We average right now over 250,000 people a week listen to one of our podcasts. Is that crazy? If you're joining us, from a podcast right now. No matter where you're watching, no matter where you're listening from, we want you to know in this house, you will be loved and welcomed and valued and accepted. And we're glad you're with us. So welcome to Red Rocks Church. We believe God has you joining us today for a reason. Before I get into today's talk though, I wanna take care of a couple of family business issues. The first one is this, if you're visiting, we as a church family at the end of last year did an end of year offering. If this is your church family, you know about it. A whole bunch of you were a part of it. I have been waiting and waiting for the final numbers to come in so I could share it with you. And guys, I've never been prouder to be a part of Red Rocks Church. Get this, we as a church family in one offering, we, were, we weren't taking, and listen, if you're wondering like, what are they doing? This wasn't a, we, we're in desperate need or desperate times or we're trying to buy a building. This was just us as a church family going, you know what? I recognize everything God has given me comes from him. And so I'm gonna bring part of it back to him and just say, thank you. I'm gonna bring part of what he's blessed me with back to him and say, you build your kingdom, not mine. We as a church family in one offering, at the end of last year, gave over $2.7 million. Hey, we're not just talking about being a generous church. We are a generous church. And I'm so excited to report that to you. Let me tell you, look, I know we just got January kicked off. Let me tell you what that money has already accomplished. We've already helped over five, not over, exactly. We've already helped five churches in need. Isn't that awesome? Uh, over $100,000 have been given, over 120, I think, have been given to five churches in need. One of them was a local church. You heard part of the story. They're a set up teardown church and everything they own was in some trailers and their trailers got stolen. Everything they own, gone. They weren't, weren't gonna be able to do church. And so we found out, we texted them. We said, what do you need? They said, our insurance will cover everything except for a $40,000, they're a new church, $40,000 deductible. We have no idea how we're gonna come up with that. We said, why don't you stop by tomorrow and pick up a $40,000 church check so you can keep rolling with your church. That's what we get to do because of your generosity. We got to help um, and, and we got to really get involved in helping a ministry right here in the Denver area called 180 Ministries that helps people walk away from drug addictions and experience the freedom through Jesus Christ that they were created to experience. We've been able to partner with them because of your generosity. We just said yes this week to what will be our third God Behind Bars campus right here in the Denver area. That's because of your generosity. Get this. Out of that money, we've already bought land in Haiti, 
Now listen, and it's not even for us. We gave it away. We bought land in Haiti and gave it away to a Compassion International site. And get this, it will feed, clothe, educate, get medical attention to, and preach the gospel to over 250 kids a day. That's because of your generosity, church. And this was a dream of ours, and now it's a reality because of your generosity. This summer, we're sending four of our staff members to Austin, Texas. And this time next year, there will be a Red Rocks Church, Austin, Texas location. How cool is that? Hey, and that's just the beginning. Thank you for being a part of this church family and for your generosity. I love it. Second piece of family business, and then we'll start the message. We got a hoodie issue going on, don't we? <laughs> Guys, you guys have went church merch crazy. That's what's happened. Yeah, here's what happened. A few weeks ago, I said, you know what, guys? Here's what I want to do. I want to create a big, baggy, black, comfy hoodie, and I just want to preach in it. And then Chad came to me. He's like, Sean, can I please do the same thing? And, and can I... Can I please wear a white, little less cool version the week before? And, you know, I look up to you and want to be you and all this stuff. And I was like, Chad, 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 stop. Of course, bro, you know I love you. Go for it. So nice. <laughs> all right, so maybe that's not exactly how it went down. But what has happened is he preached in that white hoodie last week. And every week we post like a picture, me, Chad, or someone in creative on our church staff will post a picture or a video from the service like in the middle of the week to sort of remind everybody, like, here's what we talked about. Here's what we're focusing on this week as a church family. Well, th we have thousands of followers. And a lot of times, you guys, most of the comments are God was doing and God did and thank God and praise God. And it's usually about Jesus, not this week. This week, every comment I read was, how do I get that hoodie? I need that hoodie. I'll fight someone for that hoodie. Like there's a revolt going on. So you spoke, we listened. <laughs> As of next week, in every lobby, there will be a limited supply. So get there early. You can buy the white or the really cool black hoodie in the lobby. And if you're watching online, as of next weekend, you, you can go to the Red Rocks Church store online and buy that hoodie also. So put down the weapons. We have answered the call. <laughs> you're welcome. We're in this series called Live Free. We started out reading Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And we started the series by asking everybody to write down, what is it this year that you want to be set free from? And as I told you we would, we've been praying over those as a church staff. I know you've been praying for what you wrote down. Hopefully you've been praying for other people in the church family. And we're believing for some miracles, Amen. right? All right, so another thing we did is I asked the creative team to put all of those requests in categories. I wanna see what is it that we as a church family are most struggling with. So we know what part of the word of God we can get into this year and make it real and practical and applicable to every single one of us, right? So one of the biggest categories that we as a church family wrote down that we wanna be set free from is fear. And I said, okay, that doesn't shock me. I said, let's dig deeper. 
let's divide that up into subcategories with the heading fear. What do people want to be set free from? And, then, and one of the most popular things, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in this church family said the same thing. I want to be set free from the fear of man. I want to be set free from my approval addiction. In, in different ways, that's what people said. I worry so much about what people think. I worry so much about what people say. I worry so much about people who criticize me or who might criticize me that it's killing me. I need the power of God to set me free from it. That's what hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people wrote. So that's what we're going to get into today. It's real, isn't it? And this is one that probably almost every single one of us would say at some level, I've dealt with that, right? Over Christmas break, me and my family went ice skating. You know that, that little rink they pop up in downtown Denver every year? Well, my wife loves going to this thing, okay? I do not for several reasons. One of which, though, this year is, and it, but it's a family tradition now and it's what we do. We go down there, we go ice skating. One of the reasons I didn't want to go this year is because I had a cold sore. And I know it's gross, but like, I'm just, we're family, so deal with it, all right? Don't judge me, you got your stuff, all right? So like once a year, once a, every other year, just every now and then, same exact spot, boom, I get this cold sore. And it's so disgusting, all I wanna do is sit in the basement and hide, okay? For like a week, and then I'll come back out into society. That's what I wanna do. And I've tried, every time it happens, I'm like, what just happened in my life, why? And I've boiled it down to part of it, sometimes it seems to be stress-induced. Well, I'm sitting on the couch in my house the night after we finished our 30 Christmas Eve services. And I'm sitting on the couch just like church hung over. And all of a sudden I'm like, no. <laughs> and my wife's like, what? And I'm like, I can feel it. She's like, what are you talking about? There's nothing there. I go, oh no, it's coming. I can feel it. And sure enough, Next morning, I woke up, boom, there it is, taking over my whole head. <laughs> and now she wants to go ice skating. I don't want to go ice skating, but I do because I'm a servant, okay? So we go ice skating. While, I mean, it's wall-to-wall -wall people packed, right? While my nine-year-old son is lacing up his skates, he looks up at me and he goes, Dad, that thing on your lip is disgusting. <laughs> I go, son! Not so loud, stop. And he goes, I'm sorry, it's all I can look at. <laughs> he doesn't live with us anymore. <laughs> True story, I looked at Jill and I go, I'm out. And I walked like this, two blocks down the road and I went and sat in Starbucks. Uh, Venti Pike, please, I'll sit in the corner and face the wall. Like, I was so worried about what everybody else might think. I was so sure that everybody else was looking at my faults and talking about them and judging me for them. I was so worried that people might not approve of me that I went and hid in Starbucks while my family ice skated. And it's kind of a silly story, but the truth is I was thinking about it this week and I thought, you know what? The truth is for a moment, for about an hour, I completely walked away from my calling in life because I was scared of what other people might think. I'm called to be a dad. 
and I missed that opportunity. I could have been the dad there high-fiving the kids and you're doing so good and taking pictures. I'm called to be a husband. I could have been there. My wife wanted our family to be there. I could have been there being the supportive husband and pretending I was enjoying the whole thing. Like, that's what I should have been doing. I'm called to be a husband. I'm called to be a dad. I'm called to the people of Denver. And I was hiding from all three of them, scared to death what people might think of me. And it hit me this week. One of the prices that we pay for approval addiction is it distracts us from our calling, doesn't it? Our approval addiction distracts us from our calling. In the same letter that we're looking at, the letter that we now call Galatians, it wasn't actually, it's not like Philippians, which was written to a church in Philippi. Galatians is actually written to a bunch of churches in this area called Galatia. And so Galatians, now we read it, and, and so I've been studying Galatians because, you know, Galatians 5.1 is our verse for this series and for the year, and we're going to stand firm and the whole thing, right? In this letter, in chapter 2, Paul, the apostle Paul, calls out, gets in the face of the apostle Peter over this exact issue. See, what's happening is, is, the, is, is this is the first church, the early church, right? The first group of churches based on the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And the apostle Peter is hanging out with the Gentile believers. At this time, there's, there's two big groups of people. There's the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers. And, and at this time, the apostle Peter's hanging out with the Gentile believers, now when, and he's having dinner with him on a consistent basis. When you have dinner on a consistent basis with the Apostle Peter, discipleship is happening, ministry is happening, your faith is being built up, you're being encouraged in your faith, not just to experience it for yourself, but to turn around and help somebody else experience it, to turn around and make heaven more crowded because of the faith that you've been given. Ministry is happening. Imagine being in the first church, the early church, and the Apostle Peter comes over every Wednesday night for dinner. Imagine the talks that they had about Jesus. Think about that. He walked and talked with Jesus for years. He ministered with Jesus. He camped with Jesus. He hiked with Jesus. He stood next to him while he performed miracles. He walked on the water with Jesus. He saw him after he came back to life. He stood up and preached the first sermon about the resurrected Jesus and started the church. Like when the apostle Peter comes over, the stories are out of this world. And your faith is built up and ministry's taking place. At that moment, the apostle Peter was walking in his calling, building the kingdom of God. Watch what happens. Galatians 2, 11 and 12. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had, this is, this is Paul talking, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people. Paul says to one of the most influential believers in the history of mankind, bro, you're out of line. You took your foot off the gas when it comes to your calling. You've allowed your critics or the potential of critics to cause you to walk away from your calling. He said to the Apostle Peter, you're letting criticism distract you from your calling. And the same thing can happen to you and I today, can it? Criticism can distract us from our calling. You ever experienced that? 
You ever felt like in your heart, like God's calling you to something, but all you can think of is what people might think or what people might say if it doesn't work out? It's crazy, isn't it? God called me to go here. I know he's calling me to go, but all I can think about is what will everybody say? What will everybody think? What if I fail? Then what will they say? Then what will they think? You ever, you ever not walked into your calling because you're scared of what other people might think? Approval, addiction. I know God's calling me to do this. And all you can think about is what if? What will they say? What will they think? What if they disapprove? Right? You ever known that God was calling you to a person? God's calling me to share my faith with this person. God's calling me to share my testimony with this person. God's calling me to invite this person to church. But all you can think about is what will they think and what will they say and what if it doesn't go right and what will people at my school think? What will people at my work think? I better not. You take your foot off the gas. What will people in my neighborhood think? What will people in my family think? I know he's calling me to take a risk. All I can focus on is everybody's approval. It's approval addiction, and it distracts us from our calling, and every single one of us are susceptible to it. I almost walked away from my calling here in Denver because of it. I've never, I've never felt deserving to get to be a part of this church family in the way that I am. I've never felt capable. I've never felt qualified. I've never felt educated enough. I've never felt qualified enough. Like none of it. And in the first year of our church, someone said something. Someone whose opinion I cared about. Someone whose approval I wanted. And they said something to somebody else, but it got back to me. And what they said was, is I don't know why you'd hire him. I don't know why you'd pay him. Truth be told, he's just not that good of a leader. And that got back to me. And I did what some of you do. I stored it away. And then I just kept hitting re replay, 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 replay. I bet you I hit replay on that statement over a thousand times over the next three years. And the church started growing and miracles started happening and lives started getting changed. And there were salvations and baptisms and people were being set free and hearts were being healed and marriages were being mended. And we were getting, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of emails, hundreds of testimonies saying, this is what God's doing. You know, the only phrase I focused on, truth be told, he's just not that good of a leader. Replay, replay, replay. Replay. Some of you have done that. Some of you are doing that. Some of you, somebody said something about you and you heard about it. Somebody said something to you and years have gone by and you're still hitting replay. I know the pain that comes with that. I know the heartache that comes with that. And a few years went by and you can ask Scott Brugman. We were talking about it this week. We both remember it like it was yesterday. I called up Scott, Chad's older brother, and I said, I got to resign. He said, what are you talking about? I said, Scott, I love Red Rocks Church with everything inside of me. I want this church to succeed so badly. I believe this church has the ability that God could use it to change lives around the world. That's what I want. And I don't want to be the ceiling for that. And you know what I said to Scott? Truth be told, Scott, I'm just not that good of a leader. He said, bro, who's been lying to you? You need to stop listening to somebody's lies and start listening to God's truth. You're qualified because he called you.
Not because you called you. It's his strength. It's his power. It's his guidance. He's the one who qualifies you. Stop listening to the lies and start listening to the truth. But see, we hit replay. And I want to tell some of you today, some of you have been listening to some lies that somebody said about you or to you for years. And today it's time to hit delete. Today it's time to say, no more will I listen to that. But I will stand on God's truth about who I am. And I'll no longer let my critics distract me from my calling. In Jesus' name, some of you need to be set free Paul said this, Galatians 1.10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Same letter to the same group of churches in Galatians. He says, hey, look, I'm going to be up front with you. I'm not trying to win everybody else's approval. I'm trying to win his approval. That's the only thing that keeps me in line. That's how I don't get distracted from my calling. He says, be careful, because it's a trap. Approval addiction is a trap. Proverbs 29, 25 says this, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting in the Lord means safety. Now look, I could spend 20 minutes making balancing statements on getting wise counsel and, and how the Bible says when it's up to you, live at peace with everybody. I don't have time for that tonight. So you're going to have to understand my heart on this because some of us need to be set free from real approval addiction. The Bible says it's a trap. And, and here's what, what's occurred to me is some of us spend all our time, all our effort, all our energy, emotional energy, physical energy, mental energy, trying to please a small group of people. Some of us wear ourselves out trying to win the approval of everybody. And then some of us do both. Let me tell you what I mean. C.S. Lewis writes about something called the inner ring. I've also heard it described as the inner circle. But he writes about how many of us live our entire lives, work years and years in a career for decades. And we don't admit it and we don't talk about it. But in our mind, we've created an inner ring and we put a handful of people in it. And everything we do, we hope they see it. We hope they approve. We hope they applaud. We hope that we win their approval of our lives. Everything we do. I get a promotion at work. I hope he's watching. Move into a new house. Hope she sees that. Family's going well. Hope they see that. We spend our whole lives trying to impress this small group of people. And it looks like this. Somebody a long time ago walked out on me. Somebody hurt me. Somebody abused me. Somebody wasn't there for me. Somebody didn't believe in me. Somebody made fun of me. And so I'm going to work for 40 years because I'll show them. We spend our whole lives trying to impress this small group of people in our mind. Sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes it's, it's people that we love, people that we respect. Just, I just want their, it's okay to want somebody's approval. It's not okay to live for it. But we put them in this circle. And we go, I love them. I, it's a parent. It's a teacher. It's a coach. It's a friend. It's a peer. I just so badly want them to approve. And I'll work for 30 years and I hope they're watching. I talked to a friend this week about this. 
this concept that C.S. Lewis talked about, the inner ring. He said, bro, I wasted 10 years of my life doing that. And he said, let me tell you what I learned. It's exhausting. He made some mistakes and he hit a low in his life. And then he moved to a different part of the country. And then he started going to school and he got degrees and he started companies and he made lots of money and became very successful. And he said, the whole time, my only motivation, if I was honest, was I just want to show them that I'm not really a screw up, that I do have worth, that I am valuable, that they should have trusted me. He said, I wasted 10 years of my life. And here's the tragic part. He goes, and you know what? They weren't even watching. I spent 10 years trying to impress them. And he goes, if you'd have went back at that point and said, hey, how's he doing? They'd have been like, oh, I don't know. I hope good. I haven't heard. I'm not sure. He goes, I just wasted 10 years of my life trying to impress a small group of people. And they weren't even watching. We do this, don't we? And some of us, we wear ourselves ragged trying to make sure that everybody approves of us. Where I go, where I vacation, what I post, right? Come on, let's talk about this in today's world. How many of us post something? You got a thousand followers, but every picture you post, you hope two people see it. I hope he sees it. Look how happy I look. I hope she sees it. Look how successful I am. We don't post fights. We don't post sitting in the basement depressed. Come on, right? Post the glam shots. And I hope they see it. You ever post something and then you go back and look at it like a ridiculous amount of times? Like so many times, you don't even want anybody to know you're looking at your own post, just seeing if somebody liked it. <laughs> just seeing if I got enough likes. Approval addiction, church. That's what we deal with today. It distracts us from our calling. Joyce Meyer said this, trying to live up to everyone's expectations is like trying to drain the ocean with a teaspoon. Can't happen. And the truth is, you do anything of significance, you do anything of influence, you get serious about trying to build the kingdom of heaven, you better expect people not to approve of what you're doing. That comes with the territory. Can't please everybody, but we try. It distracts us from our calling. And one of the things that I personally hate so much about it is it steals our joy. I said this week one because this is something I struggle with. I don't know how many moments I've lost. I don't know how many days, weeks sometimes that I've lost joy because I'm so worried about what somebody said or what somebody might say. And I was reading Acts 13 and it's interesting because... In Acts 13 and I think 14, it describes Paul's missionary journey where he was actually starting churches in Galatia that he later would write back to as the letter of Galatians that we're studying. And so on that journey when he was starting churches, he dealt with so much disapproval. So many people being so vocal that they did not approve of what he was doing. In fact, they were trying to kill him sometimes because of it. And yet, if you watch him, he never gets distracted from his calling and he never loses his joy. And I was reading about it this week and it made me mad. <laughs> One guy says I'm a bad leader. I lost three years. How? How do you deal with disapproval and stay right on pace with your calling and keep doing it with the joy of the Lord? And I'm asking God that question this week. And I felt like he 
spoke to my mind and I didn't hear him out loud. I don't even want that sort of accountability. I heard him like, I just felt like he spoke to my mind. And I just felt like he was like, hey, we already had that conversation. Two summers ago, band, you can come up. Two summers ago, me and Chad took Jill and Rachel to New York and, and we went to a Hillsong church conference. We just were like, man, we just need some people, some people to speak into our lives. And, and so, and I've told you the first part of this story, but I haven't told you how it ended. The first part of the story is on night one, we, got, we were in Manhattan. We took the subway to Brooklyn. The subway stopped underground. And I'm very, very, very claustrophobic. And we were person to person, body to body, armpit to armpit. I got Ted in front of me, arm touching armpits, telling me about his life. And the subway stops underground in a dark tunnel. And a voice comes on like, thanks for your patience. We have no idea how long we'll be here. And I lost it. Full-on panic attack. So the next morning, Chad and Jill and Rachel are like, hey, we're going back to the conference. And Jill and Rachel were a little too excited, to be honest with you. They're like, oh, we got to go back. Judith Smith's speaking. (laughs) The fact that they were overly excited is a whole different sermon. He's actually an amazing communicator. I get it. I got a crush on him, too. So, but... I'm like, I don't care who's speaking. I'm not going because I'm not getting back in the subway. And I didn't go. So they go to the conference. I stay in my hotel room. And I'm like, well, this is supposed to be like a spiritual experience. So you know what I'll do? I'll just pray. Like, I'll take the day. And my plan was to spend like four, five, six hours just like reading the Bible and praying. And it's not because I'm that spiritual. It's because there's times when when I'm just that desperate for God to get involved in my life. And so I know exactly what I started praying about. I was like, what do I want to focus on today? And here's what I started talking to God about. I was like, God, I need confidence. I'm sick and tired of not having confidence. Why have you put me in this position you've put me in, but I never have confidence? Why have you given me the influence that you've given me? I've never had confidence. Why is this the plan you seem to have for my life? I never have confidence. And I start Googling the word confidence and I'm reading every Bible verse about confidence. And then I'm reading the whole chapter around and then I'm reading two chapters. Then I'm reading the whole book about a verse that says confidence. And I'm like, God, speak to me. God, speak to me. And you know what he said to me? Nothing. (laughs) You ever had one of those days? God, I'm desperate. I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading. Speak to me. Really? Nothing? sacrificial lambs like what does that mean I got a job opportunity nothing in fact I remember walking out of my prayer time like thanks for nothing God took an Uber to Brooklyn I'm not getting back in the subway met Chad Jill and Rachel at the conference about halfway through this guy's message at the end of the night he goes you know what everybody stop right now and repeat after me my confidence is coming back. I'm like. <laughs> he said, say it. I'm like, my confidence is coming back. He said, say it again. My confidence is coming back. Say it again. My confidence. He said, stand up. 10,000 people in an auditorium. He said, say it again. I'm like, my confidence is coming back. And God spoke to me. He said, you want to know your problem? 
You want to know why you don't have confidence? Because you're listening to the wrong voices. You're trying to get approval from the wrong places. You're not called because some critic says you are or aren't. You're called because I said you are. I'm the one who died for you. I'm the one who redeemed you. I'm the one who forgave you. I'm the one who called you. I'm the one who strengthens you. I'm the one who will never leave you. I'm the one who guides you. I'm the one who goes with you. Start listening to my voice and your confidence will come back. And all of a sudden it hit me this week. I'm reading this going, how's Paul do it? How do all these people disapprove of what he's doing and he never, he never wavers, he never gets distracted and he never loses his joy. And all of a sudden I read this intro to Galatians, what we're studying. Listen to how he introduces himself. This is why he does so with confidence. I, Paul, and my companions in faith here send greetings to the Galatian churches. My authority for writing to you does not come from any popular vote of the people, nor does it come through the appointment of some human higher up. It comes directly from Jesus, the Messiah, and God the Father who raised him from the dead. I'm God commissioned. So I greet you with the great words, grace and peace. <laughs> Woo! Some of you need to start reminding yourself today, I'm God commissioned. My critics won't distract me from my calling and they can't steal my joy because they're not the ones who sent me. I'm God commissioned. He sent me. I'll listen to what he said instead. That's the introduction to my message. I now have four parts. But I'm going to do it in two minutes. If you say this is me, I suffer from approval addiction. What do I do? Because I'm with you. Here's what we do. Number one, we repent. That's where it starts for us. We repent this week. God, I'm sorry. I have let other people's voices have way more weight in my life than yours. I've been looking to please people instead of you. I've been looking for human approval instead of yours. I'm sorry. We repent. That's where we start. The second thing we do is we ask for his power to set us free. Remember when we started this series, we wrote down things we wanted to be set free from because if under our power we could set ourselves free, we already would have. So we can't rely on our power. We got to rely on his. So I repent and then I say, God, I need your strength in my life. Would you set me free from approval addiction? We repent, we ask for his power. The third thing is, is we get real serious about spending time in his word. When you understand who you are in Christ, you won't be so worried about what everybody else says. So I wanna make it real easy for you today. On the front of the Red Rocks Church app, there's a button at the bottom that says God's promises. BZ helped me put together a bunch of verses. There's a whole bunch of verses on that. You read them every day this week. You quote them over yourself. You, you declare them over yourself. I'm approved by him. I'm called by him. I'm loved by him. I'm strengthened by him. I'm guided by him. It's okay if you don't approve. He does. I'm going this way. We repent, we ask for God's power, we get in the word, and then we just flat out decide. Some of you need to flat out decide today. I'm done. I'm not going to try and wear myself out trying to impress people who aren't even watching. 
I'm not going to spend all this time and energy trying to seek your approval. I'm trying to seek his approval because I'm going to walk in my calling. I'm going to give myself permission to enjoy the process and I'm going to experience freedom in Jesus name. Church, can you say amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you that you're with us. I thank you that you've called us. I thank you that you've commissioned us. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you forgive us. I thank you that you redeemed us. I thank you that you're with us and that you have a plan. And I pray, God, that today you would remind us that's enough. I pray, God, for those who are dealing with some real serious criticism in their life right now, that you would give them the strength to in love and fruits of the spirit, hit delete on certain voices in their life and begin to walk in your freedom. And God, for those of us who no doubt deal with approval addiction, I pray today you would begin a process that would set us free and that we could walk in our calling, that we could enjoy the process and that we could experience your freedom every step of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Red Rocks Church, would you stand up? Let's worship.